Every, every time I see the title of our podcast, I think about the song from Sea Lab 2021. Underneath the Sea Lab. Like, it's, it's in my head constantly. Hey everyone, Adam here from the Sea Lab podcast. I'm proud to announce that I just released a new book. It's called Customer Education Why Smart Companies Profit by Making Customers Smarter. You can actually find it now on Amazon.com in ebook or in print format. Uh, you could also do bit.ly slash customer education. Made you an easy little bit.ly link. So I'd really appreciate it if you pick a copy up and let me know what you think. Thanks, everyone. It's December 4th, 2018, and welcome to episode 9 of C-Lab, the customer education lab, where we explore how to build customer education programs, experiment with new approaches, and exterminate the myths and bad advice that stop growth dead in its tracks. I am Dave Darrington. And I'm Adam Evermescu. All right. You know, Dave, we've talked about a number of topics. You know, we started with our, our first steps and went all the way to picking and choosing an LMS. So now it's time to go back to basics and to the core of what any customer education professional needs to start their journey. Great. So I know from previous podcasts that you're going to want to see some numbers on this one, aren't you? Hey, hey spoiler alert, spoiler alert. All right. Well, look. no, I'm actually okay. Let's, let's, let's just do this one by gut. Cool. <laughs> do it by <laughs> gut. Oh, no, no. Let's, let's jump in. Let's hear some numbers. Okay. So uh, we know that one of the hard won lessons that I'd venture to say you and I have both experienced, and I'm emphasizing this in bold, you can see it in bold, uh, my voice, the hard way, right? How mm. to estimate the time it takes to develop great content. Um, and I think, and in fact, it's probably one of the earlier episodes or something you and I have talked about in passing. It was one of our first three we talked about this. Yeah. Um, well, think about this. Uh, I went up and I, I went to the ATD, the Association for Talent Development site, and uh, we'll put a link in the notes. Uh, but there was a really great survey from 2017 that they pulled together. And uh, you can't see it on the screen here because we don't have a screen up. We'll put it in the notes. Um, but it showed the different modalities of training, the, the live instructor-led, traditional type, where you're sitting in a classroom. Um, and then it starts getting into e-learning instruction based off of you know, digital means. Now, let me just run the numbers real quick. So traditional, that means button to seat classroom style, on average for one hour of content that I'd be delivering. You're looking at about 38, almost 40 hours, right? Is that, is that resonant with what you, you have seen in the past as well, Adam? But a week of work, that, that feels about right. Yeah, a week of work getting that all prepped. People say, what are you spending your time on? I got to get ready. Okay. Now, contrast that with live, virtual, um, well, some more virtual instructor-led training, okay? We can get down to about 28 hours. Now, that's, you know, three quarters-ish of, of what you do for a traditional type class, and then it goes up from there. So if you're wanting to get into e-learning, and I know I'm, uh, I'm reading a book on this right now where it gets into the different kinds of e-learning. You know, one where I'm just doing like this. I'm, I'm reading, I'm showing a screen. That's not too much more. That's like passive e-learning. But if you go to the high end where you're doing some really complex quizzing, all that stuff, it's real time, I'm working in an environment, you can go up into the you know, mid hundreds per hour uh, or more. And I've, I've seen it go even higher than that. 
Um, it takes a long time to get right. Yeah. And I, and I know that you've even said this before, the technologies and the things that we're starting to see out in the environment that we can use to, are starting to accelerate this a little bit, but I would venture to say uh, that's that's going to have a point of diminishing return. There's there's always going to be a hard-won number that it's going to take me probably less time to do a live or a virtual instructor-led um, class. So, okay, let's let's get into our hypothesis. Cool. So based on that, it sounds like maybe we can test this hypothesis. The best way to start developing your customer education program is to leverage virtual instructor-led training. All right. So like, unlike the last episode, this is an affirmation yes. Um, I think we would say, wouldn't you agree, that virtual instructor-led training is one of the best ways to get started. And by get started... What do you mean? Do you mean like piloting content before you're ready to turn it into something more scalable? Yeah, well, let's break this down. Uh, it, we've, we've thought through a, a few points, but yeah, what's your first, what is your mission when you're starting out? And I'm speaking to you, the early phase customer education professional, someone, you might even be the leader. You're building a program, there's nothing. Um, and yes, I'm saying this is a great way to pilot and get that initial content and start working from there. Sound good? Yeah, sounds great. So tell me more, why why VILT is a way to do that? Okay, well, we've already thought, we've already seen the numbers uh, from the ATD data alone. And um, I would say from my own practical experience, and I'll leave you to, to tell me what you've experienced, it takes less time overall to get and to deliver that initial content. Meaning, I could say if you're saying 28 hours for one hour training, that's about right. You know, it's like a 30, 30 hours, not quite all of my week. So say, so say, Adam, you come to me and say, Dave, hey, we, we've got to do a new class on this topic. And I go, okay, well, I've got to go and ask people questions. I've got to get the material together. I've got to create a slide deck. I hate slide decks. I've got to do some tests, some exercise, and great. I can do it in about this amount of time. And that's one hour training. Cool. Got it. But YVILT is a couple of things. One, you can sit down and quickly test and you can iterate, meaning, you know, lay it all out, get it in some kind of semblance of order. And then that first time you go do it, I would generally say that I always put beta on this. I go, hey, customers, I got a new class. It's totally beta. I'm just going to get it out there with an expectation, a hope, a prayer that you're going to cut me a break on this. And then in exchange for that, and often I'll offer that free, um, I get feedback. Plus, V in VILT means virtual, meaning I don't have to get people together. I just send out a meeting invite and go to a meeting or something and rock and roll. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I think that's great. I mean, the hardest parts about putting together courses a lot of the time are if you're doing e-learning, it's the amount of production that goes into it. And if you're doing a classroom course, it's the logistics to get people into the classroom. So VILT strikes a happy medium. I also think a lot about development methodology here. So you're, you're reading the Michael Allen book right now, right? Absolutely. It's an amazing book. Yeah. So Michael Allen is, is also a strong proponent of moving away from the traditional development model for courses, which, which was called Addy. And there it was sort of like a waterfall process where you'd go through analysis. And then when that was done, you do design and then you do development and then you do implementation and then evaluation. And that worked okay a long time ago, but it doesn't really reflect how content is put together today. And, and I can guarantee you 
two things. One, that the content you put out the first time is not going to be the right or the final form of the content. Um, and that once you release it, it's going to change pretty frequently. So what better way is there to put it out there than by betaing it in front of your actual customers so you can get feedback? Uh, Love it. Absolutely. And for reference, we'll put this in the show notes. This is Michael Allen's Guide to E-Learning. I have the second edition. And ironically, this was put out by the ATD Press. And that's where those numbers just came from. Uh, Wiley is the... Um, the publisher. So check that book out. That's definitely going to my library. And there's some incredible tips in there. Yeah, they do. They do a lot of uh, Michael Allen's publishing. He also wrote a book called Leaving Addy for Sam that actually talks about the difference between the Addy methodology and something that's more rapid development. Fabulous. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm, so I'm what, what, you know, if we're going to do our VILTs, we're committed. It's a good thing to do. Uh, what are our options for putting them together? Okay, let's make this a little bit more interactive discussion because, again, you and I, uh, well, we have, we're kindred spirits, and but we also see different things. So let's talk about two different approaches. Number one, the entry point. Um, okay, here you are, first time ever, you're doing, an, an, doing a course. Um, do you have a budget? I don't know. Um, but what as an entry point you're going to be looking for is any kind of technology you can use to one, invite people and run to run a meeting, okay? That's a low barrier of entry. What I mean by that is, hey, off the shelf, I mean, Zoom, you can get a free account. Uh, Google has some products to do that, like Google Hangouts has always been pretty cool um, and commonly free or your organization may have Google apps for business, which it's just part of that. Uh, I think they're getting way to their free one next year yeah Did i say getting wid getting they're getting wid of it getting wid of it elma fudd they're getting wid of it yeah. um and then go to meeting and other it, it doesn't really matter if it's something that you can rely on that works pretty well um if you're restricted you know use what you got okay um it, it, and so what do you think about that would you affirm that or, or you have some challenges for us you know how photographers say the best camera is the one you have with you mm-hmm I think this is true for virtual training, too. It's the the best VILT platform is the one that your organization already uses. Because, frankly, I mean, there's there's a lot of different options and a lot of different ways to do this in the market. Yeah. Um, but chances are you already have something that your organization uses either for your own meetings or for client meetings. Um, or, uh, ideally, your marketing team might actually have something that they use to do webinars. Oh, yeah. Uh, and if you're using one of those, then... That's a great place to start. Don't worry too much about how you're going to rigorously collect the data and what systems it's going to integrate with and all that stuff. You're just experimenting. Yeah, just experiment. Do it. Just do it. Just start working. And then, you know, if you start getting a budget, I would encourage you to start thinking about products that are more akin to customer education. Those would be like, I've used GoToTraining in the past. I really like it. it. It has a lot of super cool features in it. Like I can do quizzes. I can do polls. I can uh, um, I basically capture all that information, know who's there, see how engaged they are. Adobe oh, Connect. Oh, man, I so want to fight you on that, but I know we only have so much time Oh, today. no, you have a minute. Um, what's, your, what's your fight point? I, I've actually had a lot of problems using the go-to suite, and my apologies to anyone from Citrix who's listening right now. Um, but the, the user experience a lot of the time is not always reliable. Um, it can be a bit of a clumsy experience for learners and I'm not trying to single go to out on this. Um, I think a lot of online meeting platforms have this, but to me, it feels like, um, go to training compared to 
go to meeting, which is a much more robust product, is just lacking a lot of the features and and like a really good customer experience. Yeah, well, frankly, um, go to meeting or go to training is one of the things that I really started to get away from those platforms on because there's things I wanted to do, like track, like automatically get quizzed. But you know, it's good. It's good enough. Let's just say that it's good enough. Like Adobe Connect, um, I had a had a wonderful opportunity to do training at Adobe, and it blew me away. I was like, wow, that's really neat because it could do all kinds of different things. But then again, there comes with a technological freight of having to understand how to do this, how to do that. Get started when get started with something, make it easy. And I will add one other thing that you should make sure you can record. Even if you're not recording for somebody else and sharing it later, somebody's going to ask you for one. Oh, did you have a recording that I couldn't make it? Okay, sure. Um, but for yourself, it's such a good thing to be able to go back and look at your technique. Or if you have a team member that you're trying to develop, hey, you know, Jane, Jim, Judy, you know, you're doing trainings. So I want you to take a look at this and here and here and here. These are things you can work on. So um, one other thing that I, I want to interject, and I just wrote an article on this. And, and Adam, you're probably tired of hearing about this, but uh, one platform that you may have heard of if, you, if you've been in the gaming space is Twitch. And why I bring this up is there's some stellar tools that can allow you to build pretty amazing um, training um, with, you know, you've got chat, you've got everything, you've got recording capabilities, and it's free. Um, don't you think about wow. that? I'm saying, wow, like I haven't heard you talk about this. No, I'm not. I'm actually not tired of hearing you talk about this because I think sometimes as customer education professionals, we get locked into what are the established tools of the trade. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even though, you know, you, I think you mentioned in your articles, they're missing some things like registration, enrollment tracking, polls, quizzes, password protection, yeah. surveys, like even though they're missing some of those things that we, we would traditionally write into our requirements, if we're willing to do some of those things in a different way, I, I love the idea of thinking differently with a platform that's kind of built to scale in a different way. Absolutely. You should always be pushing the boundaries. And, and again, it's about what works, works for you, but it's also about what is less friction to your customer who doesn't want to have to deal with, like to your point before, uh, go to training for sometimes I had problems with logging in and somebody didn't have information. Anyway, um, you download the software and then audio is not working. And then like, and, yeah. and again, it's not just go to a lot of them have this problem. A lot of them have that problem. Incredible. Or like audio clipping, things like that. Totally. Uh, yeah. If you want to listen to that art, uh, see that article, it's uh, there's a link bit.ly slash twitch dash training. So I've got that up. So you can take a look at that. We'll put that in the show notes. Totally. <laughs> you know me, I'm a skeptic. So let's talk about some caveats and tips. What, what do you actually need to make sure you're successful and what do you look out for okay so this is this is a lot you know like in the, the last session we broke things down to five different pieces i think we got about that many caveats and tips uh let me bring in the first one maybe maybe we uh, uh tag team this and take turns all right um, like pro wrestlers uh, well maybe <laughs> um do we, we need we need customer education wrestler names um, yeah <laughs> um okay Scheduling and communication is one of the first things I look for. What do I mean by that? Um, this is kind of a, a talent and, you know, I, kind of, I like to call it crowd control and planning ahead. You've got to make sure that you're, you have a plan way in advance of the training date. There is nothing worse than going, oh, I've got to do this training. 
I haven't sent out an announcement to everybody. So you send out a, a, a haphazard email to the people that are on a list and hope they get it. They don't. Did you include the link to the training? All that kind of stuff. Um, you need to think ahead. So if you're going to do training, I'd say at a minimum, a bare minimum, a week, um, maybe even more um, with reminders. What do you think about that? I think that that totally makes sense. People always want to know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And you need time to get people into the course, which brings me to the second one, which is marketing. You, you always have to ask the question, if you build it, will they come? Yeah. So I always recommend working with marketing or if you have a customer marketing team to figure out how it's going to be promoted, uh, who will be on the invitation list if you're, if you're sending it out to your broader customer base, uh, or if not, do you have a specific list of people who are enrolled in your uh, online academy or just somewhere? Who are you going to send this to? Mm -hmm. I, I also think that especially if you're working with uh, larger accounts or mid-market accounts, CSMs are your best friends here. They, they love to have things that they can give to their customer. Yeah. Like, you know, they, they call them gives sometimes. <laughs> Um, but best of all is if you can integrate this into your onboarding experience. So, for instance, if you know you're going to be doing uh, Your Product 101 webinars or Your Product 101 virtual trainings, I hate calling them webinars, yeah. but that's that's a different pet peeve for a different time. Um, it should be interactive. And you should be able to set those expectations directly in your onboarding flow. So whether that's the email that goes out when you're onboarding with the customer, um, maybe it's a CTA that you send out through your... Um, customer success platform. Maybe it's embedded directly in the product somehow with a with a digital adoption platform. You just got to find ways to set customer expectations about what these courses are, when they are, and get as many of them into it as will benefit from it. That's sage advice. You know, if if you build it, will they come? Maybe not, unless you're really pushing it. Uh, so let's let's talk a little bit more now. Okay, we've got the invite out. We marketed and promoted this. Okay, now it's time. What do you do? All right. Uh, and, and, and this is, if you're just starting out, again, I, I hope you take this into consideration. Adam, I, Adam and I have learned some hard-won lessons. Um, number one is, I'd say, find a quiet place. If that means you need to work from home one day, although I have a heater behind me that uh, tends to bother my uh, my speaking a little bit, um, I have a quiet place to go. Doing training in an open office type environment, that just does not work. Why? Um, you know, I'm, some of my favorite companies, it's uh, somebody uh, makes a sale, closes a deal and they ring the gong and oh my gosh, it's madness. And everybody's like, what in the, it, what's going on? Uh, and it's disruptive. Even if it's fun, it's disruptive. And two, okay, so that's a quiet place too, is have the right equipment. Now, it doesn't mean you have to spend uh, oogobs of money. At a bare minimum, you have your computer, and I would say have that hooked into a hardwired connection, not Wi-Fi, because you know how that can go. Um, have a phone, failing that, you know, with a good line. Um, I would invest in that phone or for your computer a really great headset, you know, like a Plantronics headset for your, your phone or, your, or a microphone, a really nice one. I think what, you've got a Blue Yeti right? I do. Um, that's a pretty common one. Pretty common one. I have, uh, I have some, you don't, you don't like it. No, and that's not uh, whether I don't like it or not. I just have some directional mics. So, um, I'll send a link in the show notes, but, uh, service rocket, uh, Bill Cashard had made a really nice article on how you can solve poor audio quality for less than 40 bucks. And I did it and it worked and it's, it's pretty tight. So 
make sure you have that right equipment to run it. Investing even in a preamp, uh, I have one called the Focusrite, fairly cheap, you get them used, makes uh, background noise go away. Um, so get all that together, close your door, tell people that I'm going to be doing a training and please be quiet. They might not listen to you, but good tips. Great tips for sure. Okay, so now let's uh, let's talk about our favorite subject mm. of the past couple of podcasts: improv. <laughs> how do you how do you adapt on on the? Sorry, how do you adapt while you're doing this training? How do you how do you prepare for different questions and different problems that come up? Mm, that's tough sometimes. Um, yeah, what do you do, Dave? Well, for me, I I definitely I, I might even have a punch list of common questions. Now, if this is the first time you're doing something, you never, you're not going to know. Um, but I try to think ahead, like, okay, I am, wh- what happens, uh, you know, oh, it's this big technical system that I'm trying to train on. How do I log in? Or how do I reset my password? Or, you know, it's those kind of oblique orthogonal things, you know, things that aren't directly related to the training that you have, but are issues that are related that crop up. And yeah, especially if you're doing in-product demos and using sandbox accounts. At, at Optimizely, we had a couple of training consultants who would run pretty similar virtual trainings. Mm-hmm. And so we actually worked together to make a checklist that they could use before each training. So every time they could make sure, okay, you know, is, is this environment set up? Is this window open? Yeah. Um, have I set these expectations at the beginning of the call? And then um, one thing that I've seen a lot of teams do is they'll seed sample questions in there. So, mm. you know, if you have a, a system where people can submit private questions, you can always say, oh, this question from the private chatter. Yeah, totally. It's actually one that you wrote. Yeah. Yep. That's really helpful because then it, it uh, gives license to people to ask, like you'd said in a previous podcast, the, the dumb questions. You know, they're not dumb questions. There's, they're, they're important. All questions are important. But then all questions are important and encouraging people to really put them out there. Yeah, totally. So as, as Scar would say, be prepared. <laughs> well, and speaking of be prepared, um, problems. What happens if your call drops? Um, you know, do, what if somebody is, has, a, I've had this one before. This was great. I was in on a phone or on a call. I was, you know, facilitating it. And then all of a sudden my phone kept ringing off the hook and I finally put everything on mute and I hope I, I, answered it and it was somebody that was trying to get the link to the training to be in the training um so think about those like what happens when if the power goes out that's happened multiple times <laughs> um and Man. you know setting expectations hey gang you know if the if it drops just log back in we'll wait five minutes we'll get you back online um yeah you don't, you don't want to let technical difficult you don't want to let technical you don't want to let technical difficulties catch you off guard no and, you know, here's one that's probably, it's common sense, but it's one that if you're like me and you're out of time most of the time, you might be up burning the midnight oil, trying to get ready. Um, you know, you could do, just be prepared in general. Anything can go wrong. The most important thing is that your customers have what they need. They know how to get in. And for you to be able to do that, to be adaptive, you probably need to get a good night's sleep. Uh, eat something take care of yourself i i completely agree with that you know all the research is starting to show that burning the midnight oil 
leaves you uh, cognitively in a really bad place. So make sure you're always getting a good night of sleep, not uh, not just before your virtual trainings. Totally. All right. Um, let's do a couple more. So another great tip, have have a wing person. Oh, I love that. So yeah, when, when you're doing a virtual training, your focus is typically going to be on actually delivering the content and answering the questions that are coming in. So it really helps to have someone who's helping other folks who can't find the link or join late so they're not being disruptive to the session. And similarly, that might be someone who's helping moderate questions coming in if you have a really big group of uh, participants. Yeah, that's really helpful. I've used that. Uh, well, there's been cases where I haven't had somebody and those are the cases where it's like, okay, I've got to put this on mute or whatever. But I really love doing virtual instructor-led training and and having that wing person that um, yeah. that can say, oh, hey, there's a really great question, Dave. Can you here it is? Let me read it out loud. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Or they just tackle stuff in the wings and don't and let me focus. Uh, or yeah, vice like versa. they're just responding to people outside of the. Uh the audio, they're, they're, they're responding to people one-on-one. Yeah, that keeps things moving along, especially in virtual instructor-led training. You don't want anything to, like, take you off your cadence. And, like, I found, and, and I'm sure you've experienced this, um, some, eventually something throws you. Usually it's something that I didn't expect, like we were talking about before. Or, in that case, where I'm, I'm really feeling bummed that somebody is trying to get in and they can't, and I have to drop everything to help them. You just you don't yeah. want that wing person can help obviate those questions and problems, too. Right. You don't want to be spending your time dealing with administration and technical difficulties and things like that when really the goal should be on focusing on the content and the facilitation. Right. One company that I've seen do this really well is Box. So Box has done a ton of public classes, and I think they were doing them all on any meeting for a long time. I don't know if they still are, um, but at the time they were getting a lot of mileage out of, out of that platform. And because they were using any meeting, they actually had a, a group chat, and they had created a role. It was a not a full-time role, but it was, a, I think, a volunteer job that people could do called box specialist. And so if you were a support agent or if you were in uh, customer success or marketing, you could be a box specialist and you would join in on these public classes to help moderate the chat. And at certain points, you would ask discussion questions to promote social learning right there in the chat. And I thought that was super cool. That's nice. I like that. Yeah. All right. Bring it home, Dave. What happens after we're done? Okay, well, your, your job's not done. With, with virtual instructor-led, as much as anything else, you need to be prepared to get feedback in the form of surveys. Uh, often, I would like to have quizzes. Which I'd actually run them at the end of my instructor-led classes if I could, just to you know put a pin in it and say, hey, I did this, do you remember the things? I, for one, am not a big advocate of testing and quizzes. I use them more for making sure to challenge people's memory right in the moment, but they're very helpful. And they're, they're another tool in your toolbox. Um, then be prepared to do reporting, right? Um, did everybody, who was there? Did, did they participate? Did they ask a question? You know, whatever you need to do. Um, and then you may need an admin to help. Like that wing person could be helping with this stuff as you go, because there's nothing worse than, oh my God, I don't remember who was on the call. And yeah, what you don't want to do is get into a point where you have a ton of customers who are going through this and you aren't tracking it because at a certain point, you're going to want to do reporting on, hey, who are my trained customers mm -hmm. and what happened to my trained customers down the line? Do they renew more? Do they expand more? Do they adopt my product mm -hmm. more? 
And you won't know that unless you actually know who was in your trainings. Yeah. And if you're doing self-paced through an LMS, totally makes sense. You can do that really easily. But uh, in a VILT platform, it's sometimes not being captured automatically. So you want to make sure that you either have someone capturing it or that the system is reporting into your data warehouse or uh, your CRM or wherever you're keeping all this information. Yeah, totally. You may want to do like a checklist or something like that, like you were talking about before. There's another thing that you might not even be thinking about, particularly for those of us in a customer education, a smaller company that's growing. I, I've been all the way through the process to the end where you're starting to look at, you know, more standard conventional uh, service type training engagements and attribution to, uh, well, I'm sure that's the wrong word. Um, uh, revenue recognition is exceptionally important at that end. So that finance will come back and say, hey, we had training in, in the plan for this and they paid for training. Can you demonstrate to me who took the training, what their scores were, and when they took it? And so if you prepare now when you're early and you have that in play, then down the road, the people in finance are going to love you for that, even though you're not thinking about that right now. It was kind of like a revenue recognition issue with that. Absolutely. All right, Dave. So why don't you uh, wrap it up with our call to action? All right. So get your piece of paper out and a pencil or Evernote or whatever you want to do. One note's fine. Um, you don't need a template or anything. Uh, just a few bullets. I'd like you to sit down and challenge yourself to think about what you've got. Are you just starting out? Have you done anything yet? If not, think about a platform. Uh, free to paid. I don't care. All you should care is, you know, the points that we've listed before. Does it do what you need to do? Does it meet your budgetary needs? Can it record? Those are really good things to do. Number two, plan out ahead. Communicate. Make sure that you have uh, given yourself enough time and everybody knows what to do so that there's no surprises and people get to your training, right? That might even, even include marketing, et cetera. Um, then delivery. This is where we talked about being prepared, you know, the Boy Scout pledge. Um, have a wing person, make sure that there's nothing getting in your way and you can focus on delivering that exceptional training that you, you wanted to to begin with. And then iterate. So these don't completely match with what I said before, but they encapsulate the rest of them. Iterating means you're gonna be doing instructor-led training. That's the reason we like to do virtual instructor-led training. You can loop, quick loop. I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna do it again next month. I'm gonna do it a month after that. You know, that will give you feedback if you're polling people and help you to improve. And at some point you might say, I'm done doing this. I'm going to put it in, in e-learning and, and look up uh, Mr. Allen's book and, you know, make some great stuff. Great. Well, if you, listener, want to learn more, we do have a podcast website at customer.education. No.org, no.edu. It's .education <laughs> where you can find show notes other material, all the resources we talked about in this episode. On Twitter, we are at CLAB11. That's C-E-L-A-B-1-1 because we're number one. We're number one. <laughs> and I'm at Avermescu on Twitter. And I'm at Dave Darrington. Special thanks to Alan Coda for our theme music. And if this helped you out, you can help us out by subscribing in your podcatcher of choice or leaving us a review on iTunes. Those two things really, really, really help. And to our audience, thanks for joining us. Get out there and educate, experiment, and find your people. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. Dave here from C-Lab Podcast. 
If you're finding value in this podcast, we'd really like to get to know who you are. So we're going to ask you to click on our site and add yourself to our mailing list. We're going to agree not to spam you, but at some point in the future, we may have special events, certain podcasts we want you to join on, or we might even throw in a class or two. So sign up today. It's not going to cost you anything. And again, we promise not to bug you. Thanks, everybody.